Broadcasting from the Socialist Republic of New York. New York. There's plenty of money in this country. It's just in the wrong hands. The Moss Show. Politics, current events, and just a bit of Judaism. Two guys that are always right. Except when their wives tell them they're wrong. You're listening to The Moss Show. Good evening, everybody. This is The Ma Show with Nachum Mostovsky and my co-host, Yechesko Moskowitz, who is not here tonight. It is the last night of Hanukkah. And unfortunately, last night on the seventh night, there was a terrible tragedy in the Jewish community in Rockland County. Actually, a community that I grew up in. I went to high school there and post-high school. And it is down the block from many of my friends. I dormed and boarded up the block from the synagogue that had this tragedy last night. So I know the community very well. And unfortunately, some of the news that has been coming out has been very tragic. I know one of the people that was hurt is in and out of surgeries. They're, they're saying it's not looking very good. And um, we, you know, we pray for him. And uh, our organization today has decided to take a different route from many of the other ones that, you know, the thoughts and prayers organizations out there and a lot of people that are calling for understanding. And I, our mayor of New York City now has called for a new curriculum in the Department of Education, because that's really going to help. Somehow that's going to fix things. And our governor is saying that he's going to fix things by um, having press conferences. So that's also going to work. Well, we decided what we're going to call for is for Jews to actually maybe have their Second Amendment rights given back, since the government was never really allowed to take them away from to begin with. And thank God we're getting some help from Congress members from the South, some here from New York, and if you have a petition going, please check Hovavetzion's uh, social media for the link to sign that petition, to pass it on to your friends. And we have, for special for tonight, we, you know, because we don't usually record this early in the week, but we decided that due to the tragedy, we had to get somebody that really knew what was going on here and, and, how, and how, why this is happening. Jew, Jewish and, and black communities for a very long time in, in the from the 50s and 60s the 70s the 80s they had a lot of problems they were you know culminating in probably what would be considered you know the David Dinkins era when you had unfortunately the Crown Heights riots and you've seen Curtis Sliwa back for the first time in Crown Heights actually with his guardian angels since the Crown Heights riots and after that a lot of community building happened and in the last two or three years I would say probably maybe more, maybe four or five years, um, ever since, I'm going to be honest with you, this new mayor, I'm not going to put the blame at, at Governor Cuomo. Um, I, I fully blame de Blasio for this, especially in New York. It was started with the anti-cop rhetoric and then became the anti-Jew rhetoric. I'm not really sure why, they ha- what, why one seems to go hand in hand with the other, but uh, maybe it's because you know people have always said that anti-Semitism is the canary in the coal mine of the breakdown of the civil society. Well, the other one is, is sort of getting rid of cops. So it could be that they both tie together and everybody knows that Bill de Blasio is a Marxist. And Marxists wanna destroy the civil society to rebuild the society in their image of this utopia, which can't happen because utopia cannot happen with human emotions. So that's why the founders of this country gave us the Republic because they had in mind the human emotions and the human factor when creating a government. So we decided we were going to bring on our friend Sloan Rachmuth, who is a, a brilliant person. She, she is somebody who has studied 
What's interesting is she's also, besides, besides being someone who has studied and has the data on how, why this is happening in the black community now, she is the research director for special projects at the Haim Solomon Center. She also happens to be a, someone who's very knowledgeable on the Second Amendment and concealed carry and open carry and all these things and how, how we're going to tie these things together in, in trying to figure out a way that we can, number one, figure out how to break this violence in the black community while also allowing for the Jewish community to protect itself. So with that, Sloan, good evening. Happy Hanukkah to you. I hope your yeah. family enjoyed its seventh and now on its eighth day of Hanukkah. I know you're down south in North Carolina. How are you doing this evening? Oh, wonderful, and it's nice and warm. hate to make you jealous, but it was in the 70s today, so <laughs> we've By had way, a very warm one. It wasn't so cold one. here today. It wasn't so cold That's raining, good. but not so cold today. Yeah. All right, that sounds good. Well, I just wanted to so, say very thank you very much for having me. And um, I love your little tagline in the beginning. We're, we're done with thoughts and prayers. I love that. We're ready for readiness and action. So that's good. Yes, I mean, thoughts and prayers, listen, I do believe in thoughts and prayers. I believe prayer helps. I absolutely do. But when it's coming from people, like, listen, no, no offense to Andy Cuomo, no offense to Bill de Blasio. I don't believe either one of them actually believes in God. I, I, listen, I don't, yeah. I, I, don't want, I don't know what's in someone else's heart. I do know that Marxists don't believe in God, and I do know that Bill de Blasio is a Marxist, so I don't think he believes in God. Andrew Cuomo right. claims to be a Catholic, but he also believes in abortion. So I don't know how you, how you put that through. I'm not really sure how that works. He, 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 he probably does believe in God, so I, I do believe that he, he, when he says he's praying for people, I do believe that. I don't believe a word that comes out of Mayor de Blasio's mouth when he says my thoughts and prayers. I don't think the guy believes in rocks <laughs> and trees. I don't think he believes in God. Yeah. So I, he, he believes in the power of government. So he should say, to be honest with you, he should say, I'm sending in, I'm sending in the police and they're going to, I'm going to put a cop at every corner that I would believe from him because he, that's what he believes in the strong arm of government. I'm asking, let the cops continue doing their job. Just let me be armed. That's all I'm asking. Let me protect my own family. Right. right. I mean, you, you asked right. earlier, you know, what, what's going on and why are, why is the anti-black? Or, or pardon me, the uh, the uh, anti-Jew and the anti-cop uh, issue coming up together and merging together, and and I can really explain that. But you're right; it's it's appearing right now is is a one-two effect, and it doesn't seem like uh, you know our leaders, uh, even in our own community, are willing to get up and stand up and speak about uh, uh, carrying um, and and the practicality of it, and and actually. I believe that it is a necessity. Is a responsible Jew and a responsible parent of a Jewish child, and you're taking your child into shul, you must carry. And that's just my opinion. Absolutely, absolutely, and and it's one of the reasons why Kasky and I really sort of recreated Chovetzion into this into this organization because we we were two people that had more or less the same ideals and ideas. There are certain things that we disagree on, obviously. You know, not everybody lines up politically perfect. And as Reagan said, you know, don't make 70% my friend, the 30% my enemy. You know, that, that, you know don't, don't let the but, – but this is sort of like – we agree on like 97.8% of things. You know, it's uh, – it, 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 some of the things is where I may go a little bit libertarian on some things and he may go a little bit libertarian on some things, and that's where we'll diverge. None of us go socialist. We, it's not on the – we don't mm. go leftist. 
We just go maybe more. It's not on the menu. Not on the menu. Right. right. It's not on the menu. Right. <laughs> you know, when it comes to you know, legalization of drugs and things like that, we may differentiate on certain, you know, very, very small, minute details. But one of the things that we noticed was they keep on doing these studies. Right. I, I, I don't know if you've seen the newest one out of Ami magazine. Ninety three percent of Orthodox Jews are pro Trump. Right. And then they That's go right. and they do these studies. And, 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 and 80-something percent of Orthodox Jews vote Republican. And then you turn around and realize 100 percent of the Jewish organizations are leftist. But what, where, where is the Jewish organization that is going to stand up, that is going to stand up for the unborn, that is going to stand up for the Second Amendment, that is going to stand up for strong borders, that's going to stand up for our military, that's going to stand up for our police, that's going to stand up for our first responders, that's going to stand up for the civil society, that's going to stand up for lowering taxes, that's stand up for government getting out of our way when it comes to business. Uh, where are these organizations? Where are they? You know, you have Hyatt. Hyatt is an organization that was started to get Jews out of the Holocaust and into America. Very noble cause, right? Very noble cause. Now they're bringing illegal Ecuadorians through our border illegally. I, I'm not really sure when, when the job of Hyatt changed. And then you got JCCs throughout the country that are raising funds for illegal aliens and for, yeah. by the way, which, by the way, you know which community they hurt the most? Not the Jewish community. They hurt the black community the most. Absolutely. So, so, 100%. Yes. So, unfortunately, I think some of the things that you're going to say, what's weird is, is that they're blaming the wrong Jewish community. And you're going to get into where some of this rhetoric in the black community is coming from, anti-Jewish rhetoric is coming from. What's funny is, is they're blaming the wrong Jews. That's what's hilarious. It's not so hilarious if Jews actually weren't being killed. No, it'd be, it'd be hilarious um, if it weren't true. Right, if it weren't true. Correct. Yeah. Um, and, and all these Jewish organizations that started with noble causes have turned into dumpster fire organizations that have nothing to do. I mean, the ADL, the ADL wouldn't know how to fight anti-Semitism if it hit them in the head. They have, I looked up how much money they have. The amount of money that organization has is abhorrent. The fact that they put up $10,000 to fight anti-Semitism last year. Measly. $10,000. Well, I mean, you know, leftists, These guys have yeah, millions, upon, they, millions upon millions of dollars. Millions. Sitting there doing what? What's it doing? Paying Obama holdovers that they hired out of the Obama White House to make who knows how much money a year so they can make believe that like they're fighting anti-Semitism. The reason for the ADL is to fight anti-Semitism. It is not to fight AIDS in Uganda, and it's not to fight the, the herpes virus in uh, I don't know where. I mean, you go look at what they're doing. It has nothing to do with the reason why they were created. Well, they claim to the be fighting that, Islamophobia. So they, I, bet, why, I bet you a lot let, of that. I yeah. am very against Islamophobia. <laughs> I'm not really sure how you have Islamophobia because a phobia is an irrational fear. And I'm sorry to say, but to be afraid of Islam is not irrational. Now, I'm not going to say oh, that I you know very be. well. I know very it well. It should not I be irrational. Yeah. You have friends. Yeah. I have cousins that were killed by Islamic terrorists. It is not mm -hmm. a phobia. It, is, it cannot be a phobia because it's not irrational. You want to say that well, you tell can't that to people it? that were there 9-11. Right. I, I, I agree. So, so, and I'm not saying you should be anti-Islam. That's not what I'm saying. The, the term phobia means irrational fear of. So arachnophobia is the irrational fear of spiders. Now, if somebody was almost killed by a spider and then was afraid of spiders, 
they would not be diagnosed with arachnophobia by a psychiatrist because the fear would be rational. It's not a phobia. So having rational fear of Islam is not Islamophobia. Now, hatred of Jews is not a phobia. It's anti-Semitism. And the term anti-Semitism has a very rich history. It actually started in, in, in Germany and Austria with a club. They actually called themselves the anti-Semitic people. They actually were proud to be called the haters of Jews because they believed that Jews were tearing down the society of German culture, which is what you're going to get into, that there are black ministers teaching ministerial students to hate Jews mm -hmm. and to teach their flocks to hate Jews. So please go yes. into that. Okay, great. Well, thank you for the nice introduction and, and just touching upon um, my role, I am a researcher in investigative journalism, and so I have been researching just the genesis of, of lots of BDS, lots of anti-Semitism, but not just your, your rank-and-file stuff that might be mean and nasty, the stuff that is actually potentially homicidal, and we've seen that, unfortunately, borne out at a record rate in the last two weeks in New York. So in the last year or so, specifically, have begun to drill down on black anti-Semitism in, in academia, and specifically within um, several seminaries here in, um, well, in Chicago is one. Uh, Duke would be another one that's in my neck of the woods. Well, can, can you just say why Chicago is important for, the, for our listeners? People right. should know Chicago is an important one, and why? Why is Chicago important? Chica well, I'm glad you, you alluded to that. I mean, the the, the uh, venerable uh, Louis Farrakhan obviously hails from Chicago, but the uh, the center of the story that I'm going to tell involves a Jeremiah Wright. So Reverend Jeremiah Wright, if you'll recall. Reverend Jeremiah Wright who said, don't say God bless America, say God damn America. America. That's right, yes. and that's and right. He said, and, and he said the U.S. KKK of A. Exactly, and I believe he also said that 9-11 was an inside job or implied something, you it, know. And it's not mistaken by Zionist Jews, by Zionist <laughs> Jews. And right. this, is the mean, man, so, this is the man who christened Barack Obama's children, who, if I'm not mistaken, officiated their wedding. And he sat in there, and he sat, the Obamas sat in this man's church for almost 20 years. You're going to explain now what this man has been teaching seminarians and now is, is on a second and maybe even third generation of seminarians and what they're being taught. Yes, that's right. So this is Jeremiah Wright's teaching program, if you will. Um, and we know because we have videos of this going on in classrooms, we have uh, the teaching booklets, and I'm going to tell you exactly what and they these say. Classrooms, these are um, classrooms in like your local church or... Exactly. So here's the horrific part. This is not only going on in the seminaries. It's being taught in every black church in the United States all across the country, full stop. So historically, black colleges, that's one vein. Seminaries, that's another, both of which get government funding, by the way. All right. And then the third place that it's being taught is in black churches in and I've surveyed the towns that, that's offering this type of curriculum to their parishioners, small town, large towns. But the target seems to be black congregations. And so now, I'm, I'm, I'm going curious. to tell is you. It, is, it specific, yes. is it specific streams of Christi black Christianity that this is? Because yes. I know many black evangelicals. 
and they are the they're bigger Zionists than a lot of Jews. That's right. We we both do. We both know that type. So I'm glad you you pointed that out. This is called Black Liberation Theology, and something um, that Sean Hannity was, and and Glenn Beck used to talk about a lot. Yeah, in fact, Glenn Beck has done many um, different exposés on this, you know, to their credit. But Black libera- Liberation Theology is it's a little bit closer to the radical Hebrew Israelite cult we've been hearing a lot about. It's a little close to that, which is what makes it so terrifying. And so we can we can understand that this is coming. Now, listen, you, this is the horrific part. This is being offered in taxpayer-funded schools, universities, graduate schools, to prepare Christian pastors all over the country. So this is what our tax dollars are going for, is to to seed the minds with murderous anti-Semitism. I'm not talking about a couple of slights here and there or, you know, criticisms of Israel. I'm talking about, and I'll tell you what these are, this terrible is, this things. Is the, this, is the, this is the Christian anti-Semitism that created pogroms for 2,000 years in Europe. That this never is supersessionism. This was yes. never, right. This is, this is the type of Christian anti-Semitism that really never reared its head in this country. That's right. Until now. And so, and I believe that because we're That's talking about black churches. That's why Americans may not understand this. Americans uh, it, may not exactly. understand this because of it. Well, I'm going to explain this. And let's just start off and ask ourselves this question. Why is, has this been under the radar? Why has it this been addressed? And here's why. You're talking about African-American pastors teaching this in black churches and in historically black colleges, you can imagine the hesitancy that Jews and even white Christians would have in criticizing these type of things. It takes someone very bold. And unfortunately now, I think as Jews, I think as Americans, we don't have the luxury of being uncomfortable about confronting and addressing what I'm going to tell you is going on. And that's kind of where we are. So I'll talk about one case specifically. You brought up Chicago, and I'm going to talk about that. So Reverend Jeremiah Wright was involved in a seminary called Garrett Evangelical Seminary. It is one of the top 15 training schools in this country for Christian pastors, Garrett Evangelical Seminary. So not only has Reverend Jeremiah Wright... Are you talking black seminaries or overall? I'm talking about overall, and so this isn't right, and I I want you to know that that African-American theologians come from from everywhere to study here, and this is, you know, one of the esteemed programs in America, and so what they are teaching, in fact, the head of the department for black churches there, what they're teaching is this that there are no Jews, there are no chosen people. This whole thing of chosen people is ridiculous. And moreover, if there are chosen people, it's blacks. And that American Jews are now inventing and exaggerating the Holocaust to take attention away from us and to try to control our race and to try to take the oppression status, if you will, away from us. And what they're doing is twisting scripture to support every single thing that I just told you. You, you also, you, you brought up where the heck is this coming from that cops are bad and Jews are bad. Well, here's what's being taught, that this is, this is going to blow your doors off here, that Jews in America 
Jewish Federation and and other and APAC of course and and other venerable well, institutions we love are, are paying. Great. Well, you, you know, we may have mixed feelings that like it or not. APAC has but been right, on the wrong. You know, APAC has been. APAC has been on the wrong side you. of every Israel thing in the last decade. They're, or they're or too late to, or too late to the dance, quite frankly, when it doesn't count. But right. so in every symbolized institution. But look, their thesis is this: that the American Jewish community is killing black people by supporting cops that kill black people. So they're saying that uh, the federations are paying for cops to go to Israel and train with, air quote, murderers of the IDF to learn specifically how to commit extrajudicial killings on black people and single them out. So these are the lies that it's being taught from the the podium at, at universities, at black churches, and at historically black colleges. And it's being taught by pretty well-respected people. They have been, for the last two years in particular, putting pedal to metal with this murderous lie that Jews are being Jews are responsible for the deaths of innocent black people at the hands of cops because they're training in Israel, and all of the Jewish institutions here in America are in on it because they're paying for it. And so, see, it's this it's this conspiracy theory which they're actually putting forth as part of scriptures and part of you know what's going on. And so now we're seeing the fruits of that labor being borne out, unfortunately. Now, I live in a place that's near Durham, North Carolina. Durham, you may have heard, is the only city in the United States whose town has boycotted Israel. Let me tell you how they did that. The mayor and the town council decided that since they believe that Israel is teaching cops how to kill black people here in this country, that they're not going to work in any way with any exchanges with the state of Israel. So you have municipalities for the first time in the history of this country, municipalities and leaders saying and telling everyone, hey, Jews are responsible for cops killing black people, so guess what? We're we're not going to allow our cops to train with Israel anymore. So now we've got... But but now the state ended up superseding that, correct? They ended up making that... No, that's not correct. North North Carolina doesn't have a anti-BDS law? Well, the anti-BDS law is not written in a way that's actionable in any way. And as a matter of fact, there's a dollar amount of business, of real business, that must be done in order to trigger that and qualify. And here's the kicker. Durham in particular, in Durham County, wasn't even participating with Israel to begin with. So it was a non-issue. So, if you, <laughs> so it's, you sort of see? Like, it's sort of like, it's such a leftist thing. We're going we're gonna to boycott, um, we're going to boycott a firearm. It's, it's like, how many leftists actually went to like Cabrera? Like, and, and then they, they fold. These companies fold like cheap suits because they're afraid of a boycott a bunch of leftists that don't go hunting. Like what? You're a hunting store. You sell. Or they don't watch NFL. And, or they don't. Right. Name like, me a leftist right. that's really into the NFL. And exactly. It's you bizarre. know, I'm a hundred percent. Absolutely but, bizarre. It's absolutely well, bizarre. It, it is bizarre, but let me tell you why this is horrifying. What I'm telling you, this, this, this instance is horrifying. And here's why in Durham, 
there's 70%, I believe, 60 or 70% African-American population, okay, who didn't know, didn't care about Israel or Jews or anything until there was this BS issue brought up about what Jews do and what Israel was doing. Now everybody knows. And how do you think African-Americans feel about their Jewish neighbors in Durham? You see what I'm saying? This is so dangerous and hideous what has been done. So I've spent and dedicated myself over the last four years to educate America on what's coming. And now, unfortunately, we see this. So we've seen it here, and it is coming. Now, again, there's so much of this stuff that we're we're so far beyond the eight ball, we're we're really in trouble. What I believe the top action items for your listeners and maybe for, for other contacts can be, is we have to stop the taxpayer funding of teaching hate at any of these colleges. We have to stop it immediately, whatever it takes. And so that's something that can be done, and hopefully in very short order. You know, this other stuff is going to take lots of education. And sad to say, uh, lots of other Jews besides you and me Standing up and not being afraid of risking their position or, or or people's opinions to do the right thing. And unfortunately, what I've seen, the number's growing, but there's precious little in our community of that. And I'm waiting to see more. Yeah. So what what exactly are they teaching? Can you can you give an example of, of what, some of the stuff that they're teaching these seminarians? Yeah, I can actually. Um, the first when when you talk about black replacement theology. Um, yeah, so what you're explain what that means. About. Explain what black – first, if you can give like a few-minute explanation of what that actually means. Well, for for this type of, of doctrine, if you will, what they're teaching is that the, the real chosen people are black people. So Jews so are not they're, what they're be, What they're believing is let – me, let me get this straight. What they're believing is 2,000 years ago, right? They're Christians. They believe 2,000 years ago, we're celebrating Hanukkah right now. Hanukkah took place uh, a little bit before that, and the, uh, the Greek Assyrians. Those, that whole story, everything from Abraham up into Jesus, was all black people. Yes. And they believe in the black people, the Jews, when they were kicked out of Israel, those people went to Africa. Um. You know, there's a lot of things because I mean, I'm not, I, 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 I'm not asking this because I, I'm asking. I'm very confused logically. Yeah, yeah. They it, weren't Christian, that, it, but they, but the blacks weren't Christian until like 300 years ago, at most. So, what happened in the 1700 years in between? And well, how I mean, did they lose all the technology, the technological advances that the Jews had in Israel were were mm-hmm. at the height. I mean, it was it was Roman, it was Greek. They had all that technology. Where did it go? How do they explain this to the seminarians? Is it just that these seminarians don't put two and two together and never ask? Uh, well, I mean, it, that it's certainly possible, but I mean, some of this stuff is persuasive. A lot of it isn't. Um, and so you're you're pointing out right here the obviously obvious flaws of this this nonsense. But what I want to do is I want to go through 
and catalog a couple of things that and I'm and I'm reading right from this journal and I'm gonna send this to you for you to put it up on your website. I think every listener sure. should should vet this information themselves, see with their own eyes and understand. So first of all in discussing Israel and I'll quote that the concept of Israel and the formation of Israel, period, is a structural sin for which punishment must be rendered. So the creation of Israel, the modern state of Israel itself, is in and of itself a structural sin. They're also, they're teaching leaders of the church and pastors, they're asking them to do an intellectual exercise. Ready for it? Here we go. Yeah. What are some of the reasons that black Christians, or anyone for that matter, might be reluctant to be critical of the Jewish Holocaust? So they're, they're so asking these, are, these seminarians, these seminarians or college students, right? Because you're saying it's not only seminarians. That's true. Just plain kids in college? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Is it, but, they're, but they're going through and they're encouraging them to be critical of the Jewish Holocaust because it is a this is so quote, insidious. tool tool of racial control used by Jews in America. So that's another quote, tool of racial control. They believe that any Jew who speaks about the Holocaust or you know, of the traumas, obviously, and we all have, you know, residual trauma from the Holocaust. Who wouldn't? I mean, a whole, you know. So whoever speaks about that is trying to engage in racial control. That's what they're teaching. Okay, so we, we may start to unpack and understand why why there's these problems. They, you know, the, this uh, theology also puts forth this, that Israel is using uh, killing, indiscriminately killing innocent, dark people, of course, Palestinians is what they're saying, um, as a way of population control. And moreover, they're teaching American police forces how to do the same. They're going through, and here's aware, another way. Are they aware that? One of the highest population growths in the Middle East is in Israel. I mean, it's it's going down now. That's because they're yeah. educated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Okay. No, I mean, facts don't matter. So when we're going through this, it, you it's, and I it's are facts going, don't matter, and the public school system right. has, and now the co- and not colleges, colleges. See, this is this is one of the things that we try to explain to our our listeners, and it all comes back to the new school when when a bunch of socialists came to America on the side they were going to take over the college campuses, and one of the things that they did was they slowly replaced critical thinking and using critical thinking methods similar to the methods that actually we use when learning the Talmud, actually. And they replaced it with these nonsense thinking ways, which makes everyone dumb. The critical thinking is no longer taught. It's actually been taken out of college, and it's a, it's a shame. It's also been criminalized. So speaking right. the truth or even thinking about and seeking the truth has become a uh, it, to borrow this term, structural sin in and of itself. And so, you know, when you, you're right, I mean, you, you hit upon something brilliant, and that's this. We have an environment where critical thinking is punished, and it could be met with expulsion, for all we know. Then, then that really shuts everything down, and then it becomes possible to tell anyone anything because you can't be challenged. And so, and I think that that, and look, you've got a, a, an African-American pastor passionate about this stuff, teaching it. The guy is the head of a department, for God's sake, and there's there's 10 like him. When you've got someone like that, I would imagine that it's difficult to enter into these conversations with someone that's rather militant to begin with. 
So you know, this sets up an environment. Are these kids? Are these are these Black American teenagers and young adults? Are they already coming in with anti-Semitic beliefs, or this is all new? They've never met a Jew. They know nothing about Jews. They honestly. To be honest, you know, if you ask them anything about Jews, they would go, I don't know, they're just people. And they're coming in exactly. and they're this, or are they already Correct. having anti-Semitic beliefs and this is just being, this is all new to them? Well, from from my experience, they don't they don't have any knowledge. I mean, we, we're also working on one case at Duke where they're taking this, this same strain of folks, they're taking and selecting, picking. African-American students to go on a trip to Ramallah to train with the PFLP and stay in their homes. Oh, I've heard, this is, and this, they this, come this, back. this broke a few weeks ago. Yeah, this isn't, yeah. Okay, well, that's my story. Yeah. So that's what I've been working yeah. on with the fine folks at Zilfor Law, and we're asking the Attorney General of North Carolina to take action. So they are taking these college students who really, they don't know a lot about Israel, but they're being brought back as hardened activists and this is a very very dangerous situation but again these are students that are african-american they're being targeted they're training with terrorists and they're coming back so this is another layer of that nexus between uh, radical islam and black nationalists and we're having a, a a real big problem here with that and that's happening at duke that's Duke. not even the Duke. Yes, that's not even like a small Duke college. University. Is, it's not. It's Duke. not. And so that's correct. And so now, but how I'm, many I'm students? In, let's say at a place like Duke, they don't even mm-hmm. need to reach hundreds of students. They reach two or three, and those three go out into a church. They're affecting that's three right. communities. So that's people right. they go, oh well, how yes. come you're not seeing anti-Semitism on Duke? You don't need to see it on Duke. You just need to see it in three students. Well, we have a problem at Duke. Duke is is, is no, under that, the microscope. Yes, I understand yeah. that. But when people say like, how come we're not seeing? We are seeing massive anti-Semitism on college campuses. But if you actually okay. look at a lot of that, a lot of that, it may not be seen as let's say necessarily black versus Jew. It seems more progressive versus Jew is really what it looks like. Yeah. But what people have to understand is is that a guy like Jeremiah Wright doesn't need to get his hands on hundreds of students. He needs to get his hands on one or two or three every semester mm-hmm. to have a massive, massive impact on right. the black community. For years to come. Because there aren't that For many years black... to come. Right. In other no. words, think of it as, you want to think of it as what it's like. Think of it as what Donald Trump is doing in the federal court system. He doesn't need to get Hundreds upon thousands of federal court judges. He doesn't. He needs to get a few hundred. And he's now changed the course of federal judgeship, federal court cases for for generations because he's putting 35-year-olds in these federal positions that these guys are going to be there for 40, 50 years. It's a wonderful multiplier effect, isn't it? Correct. It's an amazing great network effect. effect. Yes. Yeah, it, it really is, and, and it's generational, and, and look, they're no dummies either. I mean, they understand and know, you're right, you get a few leaders, I mean, with charisma, and you're off to the races, and that's what they've done here, and so we are, we, look, we know, I'm telling you a few things that have been taught there, but look, if you, if you were just your rank and file person, and you didn't know a lot about a, a type of people, 
and you were hearing this, it probably makes you pretty mad. And I think that there's a lot of this messaging that's coming out that African Americans are hearing. They don't really know a lot about Jews to begin with. To your point, they haven't really met any. And I mean, um, listen, you know, it's the most 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 Christians in this country have never met a Jew. People don't realize that we have six point six point one six point two million Jews in this country, right? Most of them live in New York, New Jersey, and Florida. In the five boroughs of New York, Rockland County, Westchester County, and Nassau and Suffolk. And then when you go into Florida, they're mostly in Miami and in the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. If you don't mm-hmm. live any, and, and, in New Jer- and in northern New Jersey. So if you don't live in any of those areas, I mean, you've probably never met. And, and then in California, you have in, in L.A. County, right? And, and then some of the suburbs. Outside of those areas, I mean, there's what? Six Jews in the Dakotas? I mean, come on. The, the, the North Carolina, South Carolina? We're talking about my, I have three, uncles that live in Virginia. Yeah, three yeah, percent of I, I our population. Virginia. Yeah, it's a big community. It's got a few hundred families. But, but this is a joke. There are more Jews in an apartment building in Brooklyn than there are in some states. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Think about that. You had a high rise in Williamsburg. In, in in a complex, you can literally have more Jews in that complex in Williamsburg in Brooklyn than you have in entire states. So when people have to understand that, when you see Christian Zionists, you should thank God for the ground that these Christian Zionists walk on. They have never right. met a Jew. I have met Christians that go, are you a Jew? And I go, yeah. Well, God bless you. I am never able to bless a Jew because I've never met one. And because they yeah. believe in the Bible verse that says, if you, you know, bless, bless the Jew for you'll be blessed. And they just never met a Jew, and they want to be blessed, so they come and they bless me. It is the most bizarre thing, if you've never seen it before, to go to an event. I go to CPAC every year, 15,000 Christian Zionists. Yeah, there's a couple of libertarians there that don't like Jews. Okay, fine, whatever. And they don't like Jews. They don't like Israel. But they, they don't, they, they're indifferent to Jews. But to see, I mean, they, walk, they walk over to my, my kid. And my kid goes, what? The, my kid, the first time it had happened, he was about... He's going this year CPAC. He's 13. Um, he's he's going to be 13 soon in, in two and a half weeks. This is bar mitzvah. And he's going for his fifth year to CPAC. So he was eight. A person came over to him. He was by himself. I was not with him. He was by himself. He had, I think, gone to the restroom. He came back. You know, by the way, only at, a, at, a, at an event, 15,000 people are at. I trust my kid to go on his own because I knew that nothing was going to happen to him. And, and he comes back, and he's like, someone stopped me. I said, okay. He goes, they wanted to bless me so they can get a blessing. That's weird. I, he, he had the like, – it's complete like, like a look of bizarre – like he went through a bizarre room. And he's like, what? What happened? And he was looking at me. I'm like, and I, and I, I said, you know, and I said, you know, the, the, in the Torah it says, in the Bible it says, God will bless those who bless you. He goes, right. So they wanted to bless you because you're Jewish. He goes, oh, oh, okay. But it was like he's never seen that because in New York, Christian Zionists don't really exist. I mean, they do. Catholic Zionists, you have them in, you know, Bay Ridge, Diker Heights, and those areas. You have them in Long Island. But they're not the Bible-thumping religious Christian Zionists that you see in the South and the Midwest, which are the people that go to these events. And listen, I went to camp in rural Pennsylvania, and you know I went 
you're going to find this story a little bit funny because, you know, rural Pennsylvania is very south. Pennsylvania is an interesting state. It's a northern state, but the rural areas are very southern in their – it's sort of like it's a flip of, of West Virginia, whereas West Virginia was northern, rural Pennsylvania was southern. So, you know, these girls, you know, were out buying things in a, in a, in a store, and she's ringing us up, and she's looking at us, and it's very clear she wants to ask us a question. And I go, you know, what do you, you know, what do you want? Because she clearly has a question. It's like me and like two of my friends. And she goes, you're Jews, right? And we go, yeah. And she's like, okay. And then it's clear there's a second question that she wants to ask. She's like, like you're the Jews of the Bible, right? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> and this is a girl, she must be, what, 17? We were 14 at the time. We were, I think, waiters in camp. And we were off, you know, buying just, you know, snacks and stuff, soda, chips, doing our laundry up the road. And uh, she goes, well, I'm curious. And, and I swear, at this, this happened to me. Where are your horns? Oh, and we my. started laughing. This is in 19, I was 1994, 1995, the summer of 94, 95 in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Okay, in a, in a rural supermarket. All right, and she did not have an anti-Semitic bone in her body. She was not asking it in a bad way. She was taught, I guess, in rural Pennsylvania, the Jews had horns. She had never met a Jew. Now it's a misrepresentation of when Moses came down. Right, it says that he had rays of light. Now the word used, Karen Karnov, can also be translated as horns. That Moses had horns. Now, you have to understand, if you are a Christian Zionist who likes Jews, but you were translated that Moses and Jews have horns, you may not, you know, there were depictions that Jews were the devil. But for some Christian Zionists, they read that misrepresentation and go, okay, but we should, that doesn't necessarily mean they don't like Jews. So you have to understand that the, the depiction of Jews as the devil because of that sentence does not necessarily translate that if you are a parishioner in a church that teaches pro-Jewish and pro-Zionistic teachings. So she was taught this obviously in school. She's probably 16, 17 years old, trying to make money in the summer. God bless her. And I and my two friends have no idea what she's talking about. I do because I read a little bit about this. I, I was a little bit interested in this stuff when I was a teenager. So I pick up my yarmulke and I go, no horns here. You can go back to your church and tell your, your priest, you saw real live Jews without horns. She's like, okay, I will. And she was like, you saw like, she was like happy a little bit. Okay, good. Cause like I met these Jews and they don't have horns. So I don't know what they're talking about. So th this stuff happens because they're uneducated. Is that's what's happening in the black community? Is this because they, they know a no. little bit growing up? Well, so this is completely different. Yeah. I see what you're saying, and that it makes them vulnerable. I mean, look, you know, anytime you have kids going away, when we look at the, the college population, right, and you have folks going away, and for their first time, they're, you know, able to, uh, you know, soak in information and presumably critically think about things. I mean, let's just know that they're already very susceptible for a lot of misinformation. Some of that is what we're talking about. When we look at seminary training, however, these are grad level students, right? So they already have their undergraduate. Right. 
presumably they've already shown interest in, you know, joining the clergy, and this is their next step. So this is professional training. This some, um, you know. Yeah, but a guy like Jeremiah again, Wright, a guy like, hold on one second. Yeah. A guy like Jeremiah Wright is also teaching regular college students, isn't he? Correct. Yeah, he's teaching regular. Okay. So we have we have a couple of different issues. We have the undergraduate, and that's going to be at historically black colleges. So in, in that instance, yeah, I mean, you may have folks that, you know, they're not taking religious courses, all right? They're just taking black history, if you will, and then they're force-fed this. So we know that in the historically black colleges, this stuff is being taught in classes that do not have theological undertones, but they're being taught anyway. So we know that already. And we also know that in black churches, parishioners are being taught this, as we know Obama was. Well, for every Obama, you know, there are thousands like him because we know in Texas, there are multiple churches that are doing this in North Carolina. We know of many. We uh, They're all over the country. And that's the danger is that just as you pointed out that you only need one charismatic leader to cause change over a generation, you only need one bad guy to do catastrophic damage. And, so and listen, most of, our, most of our listeners are Jewish. Obviously, we have some non-Jewish listening as well. But what Jews don't understand, a lot of Jews don't understand this, is that, you know, once the synagogue hits, hits like, uh, maximum mass, you know, like they hit like a thousand, they get a break-off, right? Synagogues always have break-offs. The biggest, yeah. the biggest synagogue yeah. in the country doesn't come close to the size of some of these. These churches can be football stadiums. 42,000, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. some have, you, yeah, absolutely. And some of these are, I mean, some of the ones I'm talking about, they, they can pull in 20,000 on a Sunday. And so, it, and that's, not, that's not to mention the people they're reaching on television. They're all 100%. A hundred percent or that are doing podcasts much like yours. But here's the point. Even if you let's just say that you had one church pulling in 20,000, one pastor doing one sermon. Okay. So that's the, that's the dosage of this. It only takes one person to be mentally unstable or be radical and get really pissed off and do bad things. We know this, we've seen it, we understand it. And so when you're putting these ideas in, in someone's head on a one-time basis, not great. When you're hammering it in at at the church, these folks are going to at the school. At, it, it's everywhere. It's within. It's within. I mean, it's, multiple it's, you, you spoke in the beginning, right? You spoke in the beginning about how you started like looking at Islam. This is very similar to what the Wahhabists yes. did in the Muslim Correct. in the Muslim world. Same thing. Exactly. You take control. I mean, of the, you take control of the clergy. You got everybody. Well, and you can take control of the social services, and you've got everybody. Right. Because, listen, this is also going on in the banks, in in the banks. The banks are actually financing what I'm telling you, but now I'm getting way too deep. So we, we do have, um, you know, part, yeah, mm-hmm, that are also involved, by the way, in the secondary mortgage market industry, so in the housing crisis, et cetera. But you've... You've got which this. they then go to blame on. So which they then go to blame on. Jews. So they're in cahoots Bingo. with the banks. They're in right. cahoots with the All banks, those... and then they go and blame the Jews on it. Well, I'm not going to really blow your gasket and tell you Soros is involved, but we'll wait for me to come on this. <laughs> uh, Rudy Giuliani is getting in, is getting yelled at again by Bill De Blasio. Rudy Giuliani was the first guy 
to walk over to Yasser Arafat and throw him the hell That's out. Right. And, and, and this is a guy I, I've met Rudy Giuliani yep. many, many times. Rudy Giuliani doesn't have an anti-Semitic bone in that guy's body. Um, that guy yeah. has been fighting for, for Jewish causes from before he was mayor. There's a reason why the Jewish community voted for him in, in the ways we have. It's the reason why he walks into a Jewish community and everybody wants to meet him. There's a reason why when Bill de Blasio walks to the Jewish community, everybody's yelling at him. So let's, let's, not, let's, not, let's call a spade a spade. And by the way, the same goes for the cops. The cops loved Rudy Giuliani, and they turned their back on Bill de Blasio. So let's, you know, we bring exactly. it all the way back to the beginning. You know, Rudy Giuliani said that he probably more, has more Jewish uh, blood in him or, or Jewish bones in him than George Soros. I can tell you one thing. Rudy Giuliani never helped the Nazis. So there's that. Exactly. Anyone, uh, I always encourage people, please. Watch the Steve Croft 60 Minutes interview. See for yourself exactly what the interview said. He is as cold as – look, he looked at taking property away from Jews as nothing more, nothing less than a business opportunity. And it's the same it's thing transaction. now. Everything that's to him right. is transactional. That's it's, right. Like, and I, that's I, to what be honest with you, I, the guy is a sociopath. He, I, I, he doesn't feel any emotion. No, absolutely. Oh, he said it himself. He takes, you don't, you don't feel bad. No. No, he takes especially, especially joy in putting it to Jews, especially Zionist Jews. They, we are the highest of the high on his list. Uh, to yeah, his, his, fa- his father was a very big believer in that weird language, Esperanto. I mean, the guy's a kook. The guy grew up with parents that were kooks. They changed their name because they didn't want to be Jewish. The parents baptized. I mean, this, this, this family's nuts. Um, he just happens to be a brilliant nuts person, and, and he figured out a way to bankrupt England, right? He has something to do with the almost bankruptcy of the Bank of England or something. I mean, the right. guy, the guy goes around bankrupting countries. Yeah. yeah. The guy's an evil, evil, evil dude. He just happens to be Jewish, unfortunately. You know, according to Maimonides, by the way, he may actually not be Jewish. It's for another discussion. Maimonides actually didn't, was not a believer in once a Jew, always a Jew. And not only that, but he actually believed that if you did certain things that you want, and you actually wanted to do, uh, you wanted to repent, that you actually had to convert. That you actually needed to do a full conversion. Ah. The people don't know this, but, but the idea that always a Jew, once a Jew, always a Jew is not necessarily fully believed. It's how we believe today, but Maimonides did not believe this. Can, can I, and do you, I would, have, yeah, have yeah. you watched Dave Chappelle? Have you ever watched Who? Dave Chappelle? Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Yeah, he's hilarious. He did, a, he did a skit several years ago about the Black Olympics, the Black and Jewish Olympics, and it had people sitting in the audience um, ready to trade in who they're ready to trade out of the Jewish religion and hoping to make a deal with either Asians or African Americans to trade into another race. And so I think we would be bringing him as Jews to the uh, to the Olympics that Dave Chappelle holds, and we'll we'll just trade him in and get someone else more representative of what we're looking for. It was a hilarious skit, oh, yeah, sure. by the way. You have to look there it are, up. There yeah. are tons. There are tons, we'll tons, and tons of Zionist Christians 
that, sure. that we would we would yeah over over George Soros. Oh, God, George Soros. I'm ready. Yes, oh, I, I'm Michael, ready. To... By the way, he's not George the only one deal. I would give up. There's a lot. Michael Bloomberg, yeah. I would give up in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. The list the list is long and growing, and it all happens to be on the reform side. But I digress. So you know right. w- what what I'm talking about. What we've been talking about tonight is we're we're scratching. We're, we're talking about the institutional anti-Semitism that we, the taxpayers, are paying for. No one's saying anything about it. And when you say institutional, when you dying. say institutionalized, when That's you say right. institutionalized, you actually mean it. Unlike when the left says institutional racism, and you turn around and go, but where, where's, where is the institutional racism? Meaning, where is the government doing this and this and this? Well, it's just, and then they just go away and they call you a Nazi and they walk away. This is real right. institutionalized, meaning they're teaching Correct. it. The government's paying for it. Right. No one is teaching any college that I know of with government funding to keep the black man down. As far as I know, it's never been shown. There's no member of the KKK or neo-Nazis. Correct. What neo-Nazi runs a college? None. I've been Jewish my whole life. I've never met a neo-Nazi in my life. Never met well, one. I live in North Carolina, and I, I really—it's been rare that I have—I've seen it myself, and I'm in the South. I've seen—I've seen, I've seen but, white supremacists. I've never seen a neo-Nazi. I've seen—I've seen white supremacists. They're not neo-Nazis. Well, are a very different bunch. We have a Democrat um, who is on the appeals court here, a prominent Democrat judge, and her son is a neo-Nazi. He—he. Uh, Threatened to shoot up a synagogue here, and actually, she's well, running I'm, for I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, they, they, he might be a he okay, might be sure. a rank and he certainly came from a lot of of affluence. Uh, would not surprise you at all to learn that he came from a Democrat family, wow. probably. Uh, as we were talking well, about, well, I mean, this is something that we've discussed before. Yeah. How how yeah. everybody this this idea that Nazis are right. The problem is is that the right and left in Europe are transposed onto the right and left in America. That's the problem. The right in America does not exist in Europe. It actually doesn't even exist in Israel either. The, 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 the conservative libertarian wing of politics does not exist outside of the United States. You don't have conservatives and libertarians in any other country. They only right. exist here. They do exist yeah. kind of, exactly. sort of, in Canada and England, but they're very small pockets. They don't control – when you say, oh, the conservatives are in charge of England, I, I – listen – God bless Farage. Boris. Nigel Boris Farage. Is a great guy. <laughs> N- yeah. right. Nigel Farage would be the considered exactly. a conservative, that's, maybe, that's maybe, exactly. maybe in America, maybe, and he would probably be a squishy conservative, a squishy yeah. conservative. Yeah. He would not be but, joining the Freedom Caucus. Okay, the, right. the Freedom Caucus doesn't exist in Europe. Rand Paul, Rand Paul, love and hate him, whatever you would say. That guy does not exist in in the European continent. This idea that the conservatives, the conservatives in Europe are conserving the king and the queen. That's what they're conserving. They're not conserving American liberal ideas, okay? The, the, the right and left of Marxism, which is the fascist, Nazi, fascist of the Nazis in Europe, they sit on the same spectrum as the communists and the Marxists and the Leninists and the Stalinists. They all sit with the Democrats, and I'll prove it. FDR and Lenin and Hitler all used to trade notes on progressivism. They all called <laughs> themselves progressives. 
And during World War II, it's during one of the fireside chats, and, and Glenn Beck plays this thing all the time, during one of the fireside chats is when FDR decided he was going to stop being a progressive and he was going to hijack the term liberal. And that's when conservatives were born. We were all liberals up until that day. All Americans were liberals. Both Democrats and Republicans were both liberals. Just some, some believe, believed in a little bit more government, and some believed in almost no government. So the liberals were really libertarians and conservatives. That's really what happened. And then the progressives hijacked the Democrat Party because the Republicans threw them out. Right, the progressives started in the Republican Party. Um, FDR's cousin, Teddy Roosevelt, was, was basically thrown out. He tried running, then tried running the bull moose, didn't work. Then they moved over to the Democrat Party, hijacked that party for a little bit. They got thrown out of there. Clinton tried throwing them out, right? People forget this. Clinton was an Arkansas yeah. Democrat, a, a conservative Democrat. His wife, people forget Hillary, was a, was a Goldwater girl. Now, obviously, she became more progressive, but she really became more liberal. She became progressive when she started running against Obama. She was not a progressive senator in New York. She was a liberal senator in New York. And there is a difference between liberals and progressives. And they kind of hijacked this. They all sit on the left. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't shock me that a Democrat judge in the South's son is a Nazi. Okay. Right. Makes sense. Right. They believe in big government. Yeah, and she'll probably win uh, a second term is the the horrific part. But, you know, I, I think tonight we've really touched well, on Well, I don't know if she should be blamed. Here. I don't know if she should be – if the judge should be blamed for the child. I don't know. I mean, unless you can prove well, that yeah, they learned they, it in the House. Well, she's, you know, making many excuses um, for his behavior. And his behavior was knocking on the synagogue. Uh, he was having a uh, – memorial service for to you know observe the Pittsburgh shooting, knocking on that synagogue and threatening to shoot them all. That was one and two was burning a cross. Burned a cross in an open in a public park. She did those two things. So he's a is a neo Nazi um, or a member of the KKK? Well, I mean this is he's considered a member of the neo Nazi group, uh is according to the uh-huh. FBI. So I mean, you know, of course his parents as of a, a young man you can't assume all of his responsibilities but the point in fact is you know she's done everything to make sure that he gets protection and from the justice that that should be coming his way wow and so for for that are you allowed to name the judge uh yes i am lucy inman lucy inman and this is interesting her her lucy daniels inman so josephus daniels was the leader of the KKK. That's her grandfather, who she adores. Oh, and wow. she named her son, well, she named her son for her grant in honor of this man. And and he is the, the original. And I believe he was with, what administration? He, I mean, he was, he was the preeminent leader of the KKK here. So it's so interesting how history has repeated itself with this particular family. But she's used her power, her influence, um, as a judge and as one of the most wealthy people here in the state, certainly the most well-entrenched Democrat in the state to protect her son when her son poses a clear and present danger to people like me and my family who live right here in North Carolina. So for that reason, yeah, wow. I mean, it's just like a Democrat. A, a Democrat, everything is wrong unless, you know, unless you're doing it. And so that's what we have here. 
Wow. And these types of judges are a problem on the on the white side of the issue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it, this is this has been exposed enough anyway. I mean, you, you're talking about calling Trump a Nazi, and you have the leader of the Democrat Party is, is here with her son doing all of this. She's trying to sweep it under the rug and give him special treatment. And who's the Nazi exactly? Please explain. It's insanity. It's in, I met the president. He's no Nazi. That's right. We know that. Uh, it's mind-boggling. These other Jewish organizations – you know, oh, they, they blame today. There are Jewish organizations today, today, that not this is not last week, this is not a month ago, this is not a year ago. Today, after what happened last night in Rockland County oh. in, for, in the Forche community, there are Jewish communities. Okay, bend the ark. In 1931. Oh. On the last night of Hanukkah in Kale, Germany, lightness drove out the dark. The Posner family lived directly across from Kale's Nazi headquarters, so they lit the Hanukkah in their window as an act of resistance. First of all, it's not a Hanukkah, it's a menorah, you fool. Tonight, our Jewish family continues that tradition. Um, wait. What? This wasn't Nazis. Like, Have you seen then you got, the then you got in that. New York City. I don't know if you're aware of the way it works. Is if Bill de Blasio couldn't be mayor, we have a thing called the public advocate, the biggest waste of tax funds and money. Um, with the public, this photo, Jews for what's that? What is this organization called? Jews for racial and economic justice. The French, man, they could have come up with a better name. Is inspired by Jewish tradition to fight for systemic change and a just world. These people are a bunch of crackpots. Okay. This photo of public advocate Jermani Williams and council member Brad Lander. Brad Lander's a guy who called, okay, who called every orthodox, conservative, and reformed Jew, okay, who does a bris milah, who circumcises their child, called them child abusers. This is a Jew oh, that we're supposed to aspire to be like, Brad Lander. This guy's the biggest piece of garbage. He's friends with Linda Sarsour. Linda, oh, Sarsour, you have it. Linda Sarsour spoke at his swearing-in. Let's just talk about that. Jermani Williams, another winner. Jermani Williams and Councilmember Brad Lander throwing the eight nights of Hanukkah sign, so they're doing like double victory crisscrosses, is everything we need. New York City against hate, love and protect each other. I, we responded, are, you, are these Jewish organizations for real? This is how our community – throwing gang signs? Really? Throwing visa? Are these people for real? This is how they think the Jewish community is going to be protected. No. What your organization does, going and finding out where the heck this anti-Semitism is coming from, because it actually stopped. Black and Jews were get, blacks and Jews were getting along for, for a good 15, 20 years. And all of a sudden, in the last four or five years, it started roaring its ugly head again. What happened? Well, I mean, I, I think so I'm scratched upon some of some of where it's coming from, and again, it's coming. And from I, I, we're going to have you on again yeah. for sure. We're definitely because this 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 is this is something that we have to continue talking about because you know the, the yeah. hour is late and, and we're we're a little over our hour. But and you have these Jewish organizations that are getting, you know, we had I had someone contact me. Your organization said this. You know, you're wrong. I said, how are we wrong? Well, you know, there's this organization that came out 
it's the organ there's an organization out there and they they do research similar to yours and I said oh I know all about them you know that they're George Soros funded what do you mean I if you go to the bottom of their organization's website and I'm not going to give their name out so I don't want to give them the hits on their website I don't want anyone to go to their website they're a despicable organization but they have four methods of funding one is the federal government it's possible they're no longer getting money from them it could be they got a one-time grant and they're not getting it we're trying to figure out where they're getting that money from they then have three other organizations one is the open society and two others and if you go to the other twos where do they get their funding from open societies so they are taking three dips at the trough of the george soros funding why would I trust anything coming out of that organization as true? So, you know, when I said to the guy, I said, I wouldn't expect you to believe anything from Fox News. So why do you expect me to believe anything from that organization? Find me a right-wing organization or at least something that's semi-neutral. So, you know, we agreed. But this idea that these Jewish organizations are any more, every single one of them, every single one, they are shells of an organization. They have four or five people working in them. They're not big. They, they have, if you look at the people that go to their events, they do many of their events together. The same people show up, and they're all funded by George Soros. Yes, Every I know. single one of them. Ben Ark, Jay French, uh, Hayas. Trua. Uh, Trua, Torah Trump's Hate. Sorry, you said Torah Rabbis. All of these organizations. Every single one of them is getting funded by the same people. They are all a bunch of retrobates. They are all nothing to do with Judaism. There is not a single stitch of Judaism that has to do with any of them. I would love to tell you about what Tikkun Olam really means, okay? The left wing would never use that term if they knew what it actually meant. They, they would never use it because it, it's against everything they believe in. It, and it's not for discussion for now. But they have completely distorted Judaism. And our organization, which is how we met, because um, your organization also, the Haim Solomon Center, are two Jewish organizations that actually use Judaism the right way. Yes. There, are, there are many. There are many organizations. Um, for you, those that don't know, you should actually go look up who Haim Solomon is. The United States of America would not exist if not for Haim Solomon. That's not me saying it. George Washington said that. He thanked Haim Solomon. And a few other Jews. So for all those left, you know, left wing, and Americans out there that that want to blame America for all the ills, you should thank God there were Jews in this country when the revolution was fought. Chaim Solomon died broke. He couldn't even afford to be buried by the Jewish society. They had a, the family had to borrow money to bury him. Okay, and Congress stiffed his family because they went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled that the Continental Congress was not the United States Congress, and the United States Congress might have to pay back the loan. So all, for all the anti-Semites in this country that want to talk about how Jews, the country, and this and that, we, we were very involved in the building of this country. We fought in the Revolution, we fought in the Civil War, and we fought in every war in between and every war since. So, you know, with that, we're going to leave it because the night is late, and Thank you so much for coming on, and we hope to have you Absolutely. again soon in the next few weeks because 
you know, as this story unfolds about what happened, there's someone who's right now, I think now in his fourth or fifth brain surgery right now. I, he yeah. could have even passed away. He could be doing better right now. I don't know. It's all mm. happening very fluid. And I'm sure more of the story is going to come out. The FBI supposedly is involved for some reason. No one's really sure why they have jurisdiction if they have jurisdiction. Some of it may have to do with what you're talking about. It could be the president has decided to send in the FBI, you know, uh, Attorney General Barr maybe because of things that he's learned due to your work on the college campuses. Maybe some of this is tied to it. We have no idea because if the FBI is involved, there has to be something federally involved. Maybe it's the work you've been doing. We don't know. So we're going to wait and see. Maybe we'll have you on next week or in two weeks. But again, good night. Happy Hanukkah to you. And we hope that, you know, you have a safe rest of Hanukkah. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll speak soon. You've been listening to The Moss Show. Broadcasted from the Socialist Republic of New York. But please, don't tell our governor he asked us to leave. They have no place in the state of New York. Tune in again next week, Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Or go to J-Tribe Radio to listen to the podcast anytime on Play, iTunes, and Stitcher.